morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. The love boat and that kind of thing. Are you old enough to remember it? And so uh, that was, I showed that video to somebody and they were young and they're like, well, who is that? I'm like, that's the captain. And then I showed somebody else and they said, is that really the captain? And I'm like, yes, that's really the captain. And so that was so awesome uh, for him to do that introduction for us. Uh, uh, He was tickled to do it. Uh, We have a pastor friend in California that's very good friends with him. And if you recall, gosh, it was been a couple months ago, I I started thinking about this series, and I'm like, oh, man, I got this great idea. Hope it works out. And I started to say, I'm like, well, no, what if it don't work? I better not say anything. So that's what it was, just having the opportunity. So again, man. Gavin McLeod, man, gave us an introduction. Come on, isn't that cool? (laughs) So welcome to our new series called The Love Boat. Obviously, we're going to be talking about love. We're going to be talking about relationships. We're going to be talking about marriage and family and just all those things that pertain to love. And, you know, when you think about it from the standpoint of The Love Boat or the movie, how many of you realize that when it comes to uh, getting on the boat, everybody has a destination in mind, right? They don't just go and jump on the boat and say, okay, uh, where are we going? I don't know. I just uh, I bought my ticket and I don't know where we're going. No, whenever you board the boat, purchase your ticket, there is a destination in mind of where you're headed to, Right? The love boat is headed somewhere. And the fact of the matter is, is that everybody ends up somewhere in life, but very few people end up somewhere on purpose. And so, therefore, we're talking about knowing how to navigate this life in the area, in the arena of love and relationships and marriage like we desire it to be. In fact, for that matter, Everybody has pictures in their life as to what they want the end of the road to look like, right? We we can have pictures of what it should look like, what it could look like, our marriage, our family, our career, maybe it's retirement. But you realize that oftentimes if we ask those questions, what do you want it to look like? We come up with really abstract answers, don't we? Well, you know, I want a good marriage, you know, I want a healthy family. And once again, those are nice things to say, but they're just abstract. They give no course of action or give the direction by which how we're going to get there. Does that make sense? Everybody track it with me? So we have to define what that looks like. When we get on this love boat, when we purpose to set sail, we've got to define what that looks like, where we're going, right? And so uh, charting the course... It increases the chance for us to come to the end of our life where we say, you know what? We did it. We were successful. We finished well. So we could say it this way, and you've heard it said around here oftentimes. It's understanding the why behind the what. Understanding the why behind the what. In other words, I want a good marriage, but what's the why behind the what how do I get there so for for an example we could say it this way we have some bad weather that's coming into our community 
And so we hear individuals and the police get on the news and they say, hey, we're looking for people to help. And so they get a hold of us as a church and I plead my case before you guys. And so we go and we help out the community and we start filling sandbags. And so we're working together filling sandbags. But you know, filling sandbags takes work. And after a while, the work of filling sandbags is not very fun. Right? In fact, for that matter, filling sandbags, it just can be routine. But now all of a sudden, if I understand why I'm filling sandbags, because not only are we filling sandbags, but there is weather that is coming that is actually going to take out our city, and therefore they're calling for us to fill sandbags, to build a dike, so therefore our city, our community, our homes don't get washed out. So all of a sudden, filling sandbags has meaning. Therefore, it's not just going through the mundane routine of filling sandbags. There's purpose, right? And whether it's a marriage, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're raising children or whatever the case might be, how many of you know that life, marriage, can just get routine and get redundant? Going through the motions. I mean, you go through the motions of doing life and you're thinking, just another year older, just another year older. In fact, I used to take pride that my wife was five years younger than me because, man, I'd get into my 30s, my wife was still in her 20s. I got into my 40s, my wife's still in her 30s. And it was just last year, I'm like, my wife is in her 40s. I've got a wife that's in her 40s now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so time just continues to roll on, doesn't it? And without purpose, life, marriage, family can just simply be routine if we don't see the destination, if we begin to see the destination, it gives meaning. Well, let me just say I'm not going on 50. <laughs> <laughs> just playing. I had to come back with that. I got to stick up for myself and all the ladies. <laughs> so when we think about charting our course, to chart your course will prioritize no. your values. So I'm, I'm a definition person. I like to look up things and what it really means. So I went and looked up the, the meaning of value for us. A value is a person's principles or standards of behavior, mm -hmm. one's judgment of what's important in life. Mm -hmm. This will narrow your focus when you figure out, this is what I want for my marriage, my family, my kids, my, my life. How do you chart this course? Or you have to chart your course. So why does, when you think about it, it will bring what's important to the surface of your schedule and your lifestyle. Right. Because yeah. it's a value that's important in your life now, and so it rises to the top. Mm -hmm. So why does a captain chart a course on a ship? You ever thought about that? To avoid something, right? To avoid rough waters, storms that are coming, or to get stuck in shallow water. Exactly. You got more to add to that? No. I don't want to interrupt you. Well, everybody says they like you when you come up here, so I'm just giving you little snippets. We're raw today. No. <laughs> so, so, like you said, charting the course, it keeps you out of difficulties. It saves you from hardships. But it also, when setting your course, it really gives you a reason to get up in the morning, doesn't it? I mean, you have purpose. Uh, it gives me something to do. So that means that if I show up, something important happens. 
So that all of a sudden makes my life matter. It makes you matter when we begin to understand that in charting the course, in setting direction, defining what I want my marriage, my relationships, my family, my career, my church, my life, when we define it, it all of a sudden puts into perspective that each of us matter. And if I don't show up, something important don't happen. But getting to that destination isn't automatic, although we would like it to be. (laughs) It means something's going to have to change. So getting to the destination isn't automatic, but just because you see what you want things to be doesn't mean it will happen. Mm -hmm. So we have to define the what. If we're married or single, we have to define the what. What do we want to see? So we have to grow into what we want to see. So more importantly, God has to grow you into it. (laughs) So we grow in God, and the more we grow in God, the more we get closer to the thing we want to see. Isn't that awesome? Mm -hmm. That God can actually get me there. Right. (laughs) Even though I think I can't get there. Mm -hmm. So when you set sail, you chart your course, it will demand change. Change is something we all really like around here, right? Yeah. (laughs) When somebody says you got to change what you're doing, even at work, you're like, get out of here. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. (laughs) It implies movement when we hear the word change. And the person that's going to have to move is me. Mm -hmm. So if you want something different (laughs) than what you've had, you have to do something you've never done. That statement she makes that it it implies change. Again, none of us like change. But have you ever noticed now, again, I'm sure that You've all experienced this at some point in your life. But if there's issues that I have that maybe my wife, she's irritating me or there's a frustration that I have. You know, it's funny how if I start talking to God about her, about things, and really it's saying, God, I want you to change her. I want her to change in this area. It never fails that God starts talking to me about how I need to change. I'm like, God, that's not fair. I want to talk to you about her, but he, uh, he, he always talks about me. But, you know, she brought up a point of saying, God knows how to get you there, right? God knows how to get you into the place of where we need to be. And so how is it that we establish that direction? How is it that we actually begin to chart the course? Now, once again, this isn't just for married people. This could fit every single person in your life, and it could fit multiple facets of life. If you're single, if you're married, if you're widowed, if you're looking to to have some change in your life, this principle or this aspect will again, again set the path or the course of life. And so how do we change it? How do we establish a direction? Well, one thing's for certain, that those of us that are sitting in this room, one, have an advantage. Because we have the help of God on our side. But there's a transition. Remember she said it implies change. And the biggest change that happens is that when we give our life to Christ, it no longer becomes about us. 
And the truth of the matter is, is that before Christ, everything that we really ever did was live a life that focused around a selfish existence. How can I feel good? How can I do this? How would this serve me? And when we begin to serve God or have God in our life, the focus begins to change and our life is not driven by selfish means, but it's driven by love and love will bring things into focus. You see, I I said we're looking for a destination. And before Christ, there was something that that you saw, something you desired. There was a destination that you thought was it. But the moment that you receive Christ, God truly begins to adjust and bring into focus the reality of true fulfillment, satisfaction in your life. Whether it's with a person, a spouse, a family, a career. So love is the driving force that brings everything into focus. First John, notice what this says. First John chapter 4, verse 8, it says, He who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know Him, for God is love. So here's the thing. Before Christ, before we had a relationship with Jesus, we did not know what real love was was the only thing that we knew was love based upon emotions come on I said love based upon emotions and therefore emotions can be up one day emotions can be down another day or the other factor of it is that love was based upon lust right Oh, I'm just madly in love with that person. No, you might just be madly in lust with them, man. You know what I'm talking about? But when you receive Christ, that's when you truly begin to experience love because the Bible says that God is love. And in Romans 5, it says that God shed abroad or that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart when we receive Christ. So upon being a child of God, that's when we truly begin to experience love and things can truly become or come into focus in our lives. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 says this. It says, And now abides faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So in other words, the very foundation is love. If you have faith, or if you're going to live a life of faith... Love has to be the foundation. If you don't have love, you can't have hope. So listen, if you're going through some hardships within your marriage, and you're saying, God, I need some hope. I need to see some things so that I know that you're moving in my marriage. But if you're not walking in love, you don't have hope that there is a possibility of things turning around. If you're not walking in love, you can't actually exercise faith for God to move in your marriage. And once again, what it does is it turns things because oftentimes we're looking at the other person or looking for some other person thinking that they need to make some changes to satisfy me. And God says, listen, if you'll focus on love, you've got it half whooped right there. Amen? Amen. 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 So when, we, when you go over and look at love in the Bible, we're going to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It, it explains and tells us exactly what love is. And a lot of people reject this portion of Scripture because I think there's no 
earthly way that anybody can do this. But there is a way. If we focus on this, remember we put it in front of us and we value it, God showed us this love and he said we can do this because it's in us. If you have Jesus, this love is in you, Amen. believe it or not. <laughs> so over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we'll start at verse 4. It says, love endures long and is patient and kind. When you go over to Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says that while you were still a sinner, yeah. you weren't even thinking about Jesus or God, Christ died for you. He, you were on his mind when you were nowhere near on his mind. So he don't, he don't focus on the sin. What you did. He just no. focuses on loving you. Yeah. So that love is in you. Amen. So I you know, know you don't believe it. But. <laughs> so if love is patient and love is kind. All right, get off. No. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we got to make it look good in front of people. Come on. If love is patient and love is kind. Now, listen, the, the Lord said this to me the other day when I was reading this scripture. Because oftentimes, here's what happens is we're praying prayers like this. God, change my spouse. Starting to think like he, he doesn't like a lot of things about me. Or <laughs> <laughs> but listen, if you're praying to God, God, change my spouse. But the scripture said love is is patient and kind and it's long-suffering, then that which you're wanting your spouse to change in ought not be on your mind. So obviously those prayers are not prayers being prayed in love. It's being prayed for your selfish gain. Man, that's hard, isn't it? But doesn't that put things into focus? Because God, I want them to change. And he says, just love on them. But wait, wait a minute, God, I want you to change them. He said, I want you to love them. Well, what does that look like, God? Because they're still the same. He said, but I want you to be patient. I want you to, I want you to continue to be kind, long-suffering. Just, just hang in there. But, no, I didn't say but. I just said, come on, let's, let's just love on them. <laughs> that even works with your kids. Yeah. I was just thinking about, like, a certain child of mine. And <clears throat> I was... I was just, she, in that she, moment, she, she I'm like. She is yours too, by the way. That one. Yeah. <laughs> but that works with your kids. Like we always want to be like, no, no, no. Change that. Don't act like that. Don't do that. Or maybe there's something your kid mm -hmm. keeps doing and you don't really like it. Yeah. Love works the same way yeah, in that. That's right. And you'd see, see things change. Praise God. So we're learning all kinds of things today. <laughs> it works for the whole family. <laughs> So we keep going on here. It says, if you're praying, oh, you did that. So it's not touchy, fretful, or resentful. Love never envies nor boils over. You, you missed a whole bunch there. Don't let them off the hook. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. That's because that's more him. <laughs> I don't boil over. <laughs> And it's not vainglorious either. It's not vain in how. <laughs> I keep on going. It doesn't display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude. You ever said anything really rude? Just try to cut somebody down? Love is not rude. 
unmannerly and does not act unbecoming. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. That is far different than the world that you right. live in. Because yep. the world insists on its way and its own rights. You see it, all the genders, all throughout. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even from the standpoint of, uh, of being single, you realize that God has somebody or will bring somebody that will minister to the needs that you have and the desires of your heart. But oftentimes, we look for somebody from a self-seeking standpoint of, I need somebody. I want somebody. I'm alone. And so rather than looking at it from the standpoint of two people coming together and actually being a, 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 a force to be reckoned with, that God will use those two people, again, it turns into this, I need somebody for me. I'm lonely, right? So it's self-seeking. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful. We're going to leave that right there. (laughs) Fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. What? You got to be kidding me. They did me wrong. Did you hear how he said what he did to me or (laughs) how he just turned away from me? How dare him? It takes no account of a suffered wrong. Brother Hagen, he said this. He, he said, you know, you'll find out where the rubber meets the road, especially when you get to that verse. You know, the thing is, is that you can start looking at all those, well, you know what, I'm patient, I'm kind, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily rude. But you get down to that touchy thing. How many of us tend to be touchy, be fretful, right? Don't touch me. I just get off me. I'm not, I, I'm not in the mood, right? Or, or keeping score, right? Hey, listen, you remember what you did? Come on, you know those people that they keep records. They have diaries. They keep account of the things that you've done wrong, right? <laughs> he's thinking of something, <laughs> and he's laughing about it. <laughs> right? Isn't that the way it is? But the Bible says that that's not love, Right? And so we got some work to do, don't we? Yes. Yes, we I said, do. I said, you got some work to do, don't you? No, you said we. <laughs> okay. Or you. <laughs> it does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Every person. Mm-hmm. You know that one where you're like, dear Lord, mm-hmm. and you just avoid them like the plague because you can't stand their stinky attitude all the God loves them. Right. You're supposed to, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it ho- its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. So it always hopes. Right. In the, in the, the midst of the worst of the worst case scenario that mm-hmm. could happen in your life, it doesn't it matters, but yet it doesn't because there can still be hope is right. in there because God's in there. And it endures everything without weakening. So God's love doesn't fail. It doesn't get weak. Mm-hmm. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Mm-hmm. 
that settles a lot of things right there. Mm -hmm. I don't love you anymore. Well, God's love in you says it never gets obsolete, never runs out. So many times, isn't that how we interact in our marriages and in our relationships, whether it's dating, again, it moves on to a a marriage. And and oftentimes, it's based upon conditions, isn't it? You know, I'll love you and I'll treat you right just as long as you treat me right. But the Bible says this, it says, just as she read there in the end, it endures everything without weakness. Love never fails. The Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Well, if the love of God is on the inside of us, and God says nothing can separate me from you or you from me, the love of God, then why is it that we let the littlest things separate us, divide us, bring division and schism within our marriages when the very love of God that says it It can't be separated from you and me, but yet we allow it to be weakened in our life. God says that you don't have to be on the junk heap like so many other people. You can have, what's that? The junk heap heap of marriages, yes. You can have a marriage that's successful. You don't have to just settle for somebody for the sake of saying, I I need somebody in my life. I need to find somebody. You realize that God will lead you to the right person. He knows what you have a desire in your heart, and therefore, he'll connect the dots so that love can reign supreme within a relationship, right? So as she was reading those different various verses of what love is, how many of them were you able to say, Oh, that's me. Oh, that one's me. Oh, man, that's, yeah, that one's me too. Right? Well, here's the thing. You might say, you know what? I'm listening to that long list of what love is and how love responds. And you might say, I'm doing pretty good. There's only maybe one or two of those, so I must be doing okay with God. Okay, but let me give you an example. If you're in a, in a boat and you have the destination in sight, And you're traveling towards the destination. But you just put one oar on the side of the boat. What does that one little oar do to the direction of the boat? It changes it. Now you might say, all I've got is one oar in the water. Yeah, I understand that. Now, it might take longer for you to turn your boat. You might actually even get closer to the destination. But I guarantee you that if you've got an oar in the water, you will do one big circle in your life and you'll come back around and come back around until you get that resolved and get connected to the destination. Amen? Now, you might say, but man, I've got a lot of oars in the water. I mean, I've got like five of them. I saw that, I saw that. I mean, I've got those oars in the water. What does that mean? That just means that your life is spinning in circles quicker and quicker and quicker, and therefore the destination of what God desires for you, your marriage, your relationships, your family, your life, is further from being discovered. And so God says, let's make some adjustments. Let's get those oars out of the water so that you can have a straight path to the thing that I have planned for you. So how is it, we're winding this up, how is it that I can change the direction? If I realize that my love walk isn't what it needs to be and I need to make some adjustments in my love walk with my spouse, with my family, with my loved ones, with that person that might be a potential candidate for being a spouse, 
How is it that I begin to change my love walk? The word. <laughs> Seems like, and you might say, well, you know, you say the word to every, an- that's your answer to everything. It is, but it is. Yeah. The word can change the direction of you and your life, your marriage, if you'll put the word to work in your life. So we go over to Hebrews chapter 6, starting at verse 18. It says that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of our souls, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into the presence behind the veil. God's word is an anchor for you. Amen. Over in Joshua 1.8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate then day and night. You may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, if you do that, you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success in all areas. Mm-hmm. Amen. So the word, the word changes things. And you might say again, how does that affect everyday life? I'll give you an example. There is a minister that we know. She, uh, she's out of uh, Branson. And she was just sharing this story recently about when she was married. Her husband has since uh, passed away and went home to be with the Lord. But she said, you know, my husband was a hardworking man. She said, but he was kind of a gruff guy. And she said, you know, he was kind of gruff with me at different times, you know. And she said, you know, I purpose to serve him and love him and be a good housewife. And she said, you know, there was times where I would come in and, or he would come in rather, and he would say, you know, what's to eat? And then he would take a bite of, of what she ate. And it, he said, she remembered one time it was some soup. And he took a bite of the soup and he says, what'd you put in the soup? And she goes, well, I put this and this. And he says, well, you should have called my mom and she could have told you how she cooked soup. And she said, you know, there was just those little things that he would constantly do just to wear on me. And, and she, he, she said, it was just difficult to walk in love. She said, but, she said, I decided that I'm going to put the word to work. She read 1 Corinthians 13 of what love is. And so she said, God, your word works or it doesn't. And so she said, I put 1 Corinthians 13 up in the pantry of the kitchen. I put it in the cupboards. I put it on the refrigerator. I put it in the the, the vanity in the bathroom. She said, every time that my husband would just purpose to kind of put a dig or something or just be rude, she said, I'd open up the door. And she goes, love is patient. Love is kind. And she said, I would just meditate on the word of God. And she said, then I would go in the bathroom and he would say something. And I would open up the vanity and love is patient, love is kind, love suffers long. God is, and she would meditate on the word of God. And she said, one day he came home from work and she had made some chili. And she said, now my chili was better than his mama's chili. (laughs) And she said, but I made him chili and I made homemade cornbread for him. And she said, he got to the chili, and he says, do we have any saltine crackers? And she says, no, we're we're out. She goes, but I made you some some homemade cornbread. Yeah, but I'm I'm just really wanting some saltine crackers. She goes, yeah, but I made this 
cornbread is kind of crisp around the edges like you like it. He said, yeah, but I'm just not in the mood for cornbread. I just want some saltine crackers. And so she went over to the cupboard closet or the cupboard and opened up the door and started reading. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is. And she said, as I'm reading that, she said, all of a sudden, the love of God overwhelmed me and came bubbling up out of the inside of me. And she said, I had this overwhelming desire to go get him saltine crackers. Now, in our modern-day women's liberation movement, they say, well, dear God, I'm not, no. That's not what we're talking about. It's not talking about a wife being subservient to a husband. I'm talking about the act of love that looked beyond the rudeness, looked beyond the ignorance of her husband, but the love of God bubbled up inside of her, and she said, in spite of how you're acting, I so desire to love you. I want to go get your crackers. Amen. <laughs> and you got to hear that right. Because you'll cross your arms and say, well, I, bless God, I ain't going to get no saltine crackers. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the Word of God working on the inside. And therefore, you're getting your oar out of the water and saying, God, I choose to let love set the course and the direction of my marriage, of my family, of my relationships. I choose to walk in love. We say we want more of God's presence. I want to follow God really close and just have more of God. But that is tied together. Mm-hmm. So as, we, as God fills us, that full, the word of God is full of power. So what came was the, full of, the power came up through her right. because she'd been meditating on it. And that works for anything in the Bible. But it came up, and then she was... a able to do the word mm-hmm. and through doing the word comes God's glory God's presence amen so this morning was this really a foundation of what's to come we're going to be talking about love stirring up love challenging you to walk in love in all aspects of life having the marriages and the families and those things that we desire and so we want to challenge you to take the love challenge In the next 30 days, we want you to put the word to work. So we've made these little cards for you. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. It's the Amplified. And put it somewhere. Put it on your vanity. Put it on your mirror. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it in your closet. Somewhere that you can purpose to go and meditate on it. Just read it. Lord, I thank you that love endures long. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is never envious. It's not touchy. It's not resentful. It don't keep record. Love never fails. And as you purpose to take the love challenge, I guarantee the word and the love of God will begin to change your scenery and it will change your heart. Where you once saw somebody and it just frustrated you to no end, you'll see them differently Because the word works and love never fails. Amen? So can we stand? As you leave this morning, there's going to be ushers at the back. They're going to have these cards available. Just grab one as you leave. Now we went a little bit longer because Harvey was long-winded. My wife was (laughs) long-winded. Just joking. (laughs) So we're just going to pray. Typically, our worship team will come, but again, we went a little bit longer this morning. So, I'm just going to pray for you this morning.
that the love of God gets stirred up in our hearts. Amen? And we're going to begin to continue to see the landscape of our lives change. Do you realize that love is not normal to respond to or to respond in? Look at how you act. Look at how you act with people, with your spouse, with your children. Do you realize those responses are nothing more than trained behaviors based upon how you were raised? And if you don't like what you were raised in and you're repeating it, love is the answer. Love will change a personality. I said love will change your personality. How many of you need some personality change? I'll be the first to tell you, I need some change of personality. Love will change it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts. I thank you, Father, that love changes everything. And love never fails. So God, as a church, we're purposing to take the next 30 days, the love challenge, and put your word to work. And we purpose to put your word to the test to see if it will do that which you said it will perform. And God, we thank you that as we do, we'll see change. We'll set the course. We'll see the destination of what we want come into clarity and come into focus because we choose to walk in love. And we give you all the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life